Continuing our series now to live is Christ in the book of Philippians and we're in chapter 2 verse 19 today and today I don't even have to wait for people to open up their Bibles because there's no one here. The Bible passage will be on the screen for you. I'm just going to start reading from the ESV Philippians chapter 2 from verse 19 and we're going to read to verse 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now here at our church, we, we run Unite uh, three times a year, and it's a, it's a two-hour two session that we do for new people who are thinking of joining our church. And we do this so that people can get to know us a bit more and, and confidently unite with us in the gospel for the good news of Jesus. And, and the tagline of Unite is this, connect, grow, belong. You see, we don't just want people to simply join us, we want them to belong. Now, you know what it feels like to belong, right? It's, it's that feeling when you're home, it's that feeling when you're in those comfy clothes with the holes in them, probably with the Ugg boots, on your favorite couch, surrounded by your favorite people, that's belonging at home. And maybe there's more to say about that one. But you can also have a sense of belonging on a team, whether it's a work team or a sports team, perhaps. There you know what you guys are trying to do as a collective. Uh, You know who you're doing it with, and you know what your particular role might be. And so you do it well, and you have a sense of belonging. You can also belong where you actually don't do anything. I think a good example might be uh, your favorite barber or hairdresser, right? You know, when you sit in that chair, and they run their fingers through your hair, and they're busy cutting your hair, Man, it feels good. Or maybe that's just me. I love that. And you sit there and you think, this is not just any barber. This is my barber, right? And I'm sure you can think of many other ways to describe the idea of belonging. But here's a question for you, though. What must we do to belong in a local church? What are are the ingredients that make a gathering group of Christians, a gathered group of Christians, not simply a church, but your church or my church. You know, there there are many churches in Perth and around the world, um, but there's only one that we normally say, that is my home church. And when I go there, I'm treated 
like family. So why is that? Well, I believe the answer is gospel partnership. It's gospel partnership that makes us belong. And this morning, as we look at our passage, we will see what gospel partnership is. Uh, Paul thanked the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel in chapter 1, verse 5. But he didn't really flesh out what it looks like. Now, this week, today, he doesn't teach us what gospel partnership is, uh, but we simply witness witness it in these 12 verses. It's, It's this window that we've got into the partnership between Paul and the Philippian church and going into that partnership for the sake of the good news of Jesus. And it has three key ingredients. And here they are. The first thing is gospel partnership involves deeply personal relationships through Jesus. It involves serving with one another for Jesus' sake. And it involves serving one another as if serving Jesus' very own needs. So let's start with the first one. Deeply personal relationships through Jesus. Now, there are four parties, if you like, in our text. You've got Paul, and you've got Timothy, and Epaphroditus, and the, the Philippian church. And what is crystal clear is that there are these interpersonal relationships between them all that's not shallow uh, and superficial, but it's deep and genuine. Look there right from the beginning in verse 19. So Paul wants to send Timothy to the Philippian church soon, he says. Why? So that I too may be cheered by news of you. Now now remember, right, the Philippian church sent Epaphroditus to Paul as a messenger of how they're going. uh, And we see this at the end of verse 25. And now Paul is writing this letter in response to that. And he's going to send it with Epaphroditus back to them very shortly. And then after a little while, once he's done this, there's kind of two sendings that's happening. Once that's happened, he wants to send Timothy to them as well, so that, they, so that he might hear, how did they receive the letter that I sent, and be gladdened by news of them as he comes back and shares that with Paul. And so here we have people who want to share news with one another, and who wants to desperately hear from each other. And it's, it's not just a relationship between Paul and the Philippians, but the Philippians and Epaphroditus, who's one of their very own. So as Epaphroditus is, is on his way to Rome to go to Paul, it seems, as we can see, that he got sick. And as we, uh, um, what probably happened is on his way as he got there, he got sick and um, he pushed through. He didn't turn around and go back home, which might have been the safer option. He pushed through to get to Paul, and he almost died as a result of it. We see this in verse 27. And probably when he first got sick, sent someone back home to tell that he's not well. And now that he's better, well, what's he doing? Well, look at verse 26. He's been longing for them all, and he's been distressed because they heard that he was ill. I mean, how crazy is this? So, so Epaphroditus is longing to see his church so that he can show them that he's actually healthy and well. They've been stressed and worried about him being sick. And it seems that he's been stressed and worried about them being stressed and worried about him. Just can't wait to get back there quickly so they can just be put at his ease that he is okay. Now, why all this worry and longing and stress? Well, it's because they genuinely care for each other. They really do. 
Even when Paul, even Paul was so happy that God saved Epaphroditus and saved his life, that, um, that it saved him the sorrow of losing someone he deeply cares about. And Paul can't wait to send Epaphroditus back to them so that they can rejoice at seeing him. Look there at verse 28. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. I mean, wow, what an emotionally charged passage. But that's what happens when our emotions, our emotions are involved, when those we love are involved. And do you know why there's this deep love and this, this care and these relationships with one another? Well, these people aren't related by flesh, no, but they are related, though, by faith. You know the old saying, blood is thicker than water? Well, there's something more powerful than blood-related relatives, and that is being joined together by the blood of the Son of God. Look, look how Paul calls on the Philippians to receive Epaphroditus in verse 29. He says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy. You see, these guys are not simply receiving this impressive human being. They are receiving someone who's covered with the blood of Jesus. They they are receiving someone who has put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They they are receiving someone who has been united with Jesus through faith and are now part of God's family. You see, that's, that's why Paul calls Epaphroditus his brother in verse 25. They both have God as their father through their common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, and now they are brothers. You see, we have these deeply personal relationships with people at church, not because we click or because we have common careers or we love the same footy team or have the same hobbies or the same age or whatever. We have deeply personal relationships because we're Christian. We're in Christ. We're united to each other because we're united to Him. This unity overcomes cultural boundaries and financial boundaries, hierarchical boundaries, all sorts of boundaries that people struggle to cross in terms of relationships. Paul and, Paul and Timothy actually is another example of this from our passage. Have a look at verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me. So Paul and Timothy has this father-son-like relationship, even though they're not related. It seems that Paul shared the good news with Timothy of Jesus' death in his place on the cross, and Timothy believed him, and he put his trust in that finished work of Jesus. And as he did this, he was born again by that truth and by the Spirit of God, as we see in John chapter 3. And so Paul feels like Timothy's spiritual father because he was part of his spiritual birth. And they are now united through Jesus in a way that nothing else can unite people on this planet. Now this is what makes relationships in church different, I think, to those relationships at your local footy club or sports club or any secular relationships. We don't simply see each other as nice people to get along with. No, we we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We care deeply about each other's character and convictions and Christ-likeness. 
But we, we really want to see each other stand like joyfully and humbly and faithfully before Jesus one day. And so our relationships have a depth and an urgency uh, and a focus like no other. Uh, and we are wonderfully blessed and gladdened, if you like, by each other. But also at the same time, we can be deeply hurt when people we love lose sight of Jesus. Or, or even as, as people get hurt by churches. We often get this when new people come. Um, they, they are so hurt at their old church because they were in gospel partnership with them that it often takes them a while before they open themselves up to us. And I think that is quite okay because of the personal nature of gospel partnerships. But is this how you view and treat the people at your church, whether you're part of our church or another church? Are your relationships inside of church much deeper than those you've got outside of church because of Jesus? Those are good questions to ask. Now, I'll finish with this point. Uh, I'll finish this point like this. I'm unashamedly going to plug our upcoming men's camp. I want to just say, men, please come to men's camp uh, because there you can meet brothers in Christ that you haven't met before. And ones that you have met, you can get to spend quality time with them. Now, some of you are already in D groups, you know, with three or four blokes. Some of them, you are already in growth groups with about 10 or so other people um, and, and, but then some of you are not. And it's quite difficult here on a Sunday with limited time and many, many people to really have these Christ-like deep relationships with people. So come to men's camp. You've got 50 blokes there over two days. And it's kind of the gap between the three people of D group and the 300 of a Sunday gathering. It's a great opportunity, a manageable ma- amount of people to really grow in relationship with Jesus. So that's our first point. The first thing that contributes to gospel partnership is deep, deeply personal relationships through Jesus. The second one is this, serving with one another for Jesus' sake. Now what we see under this point is that belonging is not simply about friendship, but it's about firing up and getting work done. Or to put it another way, gospel partnership or, or belonging is not only about shaking hands and holding hands through life, but it's getting our hands dirty for Jesus. Have a look at verse 22 again. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. You see, straight after Paul talks about this deep relationship in Jesus that, he got, that he's got with Timothy, he talks about how Timothy has served with him in the gospel. Now listen to this. The church of God has the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God speaks it into the lives of those within and compels those outside to take hold of the life that's on offer through it. Did you hear that? The church of God has the gospel of Jesus Christ And by the Spirit of God speaks it into the lives of those within the church and compels those outside to take hold of the life that's on offer in the gospel. This is our task. This is our goal. This is our work. We serve together in making Jesus known for His sake and for the good of the lost. And also we serve together in feeding the found sheep of the shepherd that they might rest in Him, that they might rejoice in Him, and that they might be 
ruled and led by him. It's such a wonderful thing, the wonder of serving with brothers and sisters in Christ for the fame of his name. There's nothing like it on earth. It's, it's profoundly satisfactory and it makes you belong. So let's say, for example, if you don't serve in your church and you have a sense that you're not part of the family, you don't have that deep sense of belonging, well, it shouldn't surprise you. Just imagine, for example, you go and sign up at a local sports club, uh, but you don't want to win the championship, right? You, you don't want to lift the cup at the end of the season. You just want to stay fit so you can look good. Um, you don't want to be alone many times during the week, so you know, you're hanging out with these people and maybe you'll make some friends. Now, now how's that going to go for you? Well, my, my, my guess is that it might start off okay, but pretty soon you'll feel out of place. Your teammates won't care how fit you are or how nice you are if on game day you don't want to win games with them to, so that they can win the title. When you're together on the pitch, your goal is to win. And so if you don't work together with others to achieve that goal, well, you're going to feel out. And it's very similar with the church. The church is filled with people who have been served by the Lord Jesus to the point of death, uh, and they now want to serve Him by spreading the life-transforming news about Him. That's our goal. And if you don't serve with others in this goal, you will lack a sense of belonging. You'll feel a bit uneasy and out of place, not quite part of the furniture. And not serving with others, actually, this is quite interesting, is, is, is about more than belonging. It raises, if you're not serving, it raises big questions about whether you truly understand the gospel of Jesus. Did you see that? Did you see what Paul says at the start of verse 22? You know Timothy's proven worth. The idea of proven worth is about being put to the test. It's about your faith being tested in a way that proves your true character. So Timothy has proven his character is godly, and Christ-like and genuine, Paul says. And, and how does he know that? Well, because, he says, he served with me in the gospel. Christians show their hearts have been changed by the good news of Jesus when they serve with others for Jesus' sake. True Christian character is shown in serving others. And true Christian character is also built up as we serve with others in the gospel. So if you're not serving with others, it's a, it's a grace of God that's been given to us that you haven't accepted and you're not using and you will be worse off for it in the long run. It's great to serve with others in the gospel. And, and you know what? You don't always even have to be with them to do this. You, you think of the car park security guys that's not out there today, but they're normally walking around our building uh, making sure that criminals are not breaking into our cars. And, and you know what? They're not simply staring at cars and moving criminals along. They are partners in the gospel. They, they're ensuring that people here in the auditorium can have a single-minded focus on praising Jesus, praying to Jesus, and listening to the preaching of Jesus. So they are partners in the gospel. They serve with us in the gospel when they do something that doesn't seem particularly spiritual. And the same goes for our kids' leaders. 
that, that, that what they do helps parents to have that single-minded focus in the gathering. And not just that, they're even teaching the kids about Jesus. With all of our role descriptions, and I know not everyone has one yet, but with all of our role descriptions, we have tried to show people that they're serving Jesus in what they do. And, and we do that because we don't want people just to be doing practical things. We want them to be gospel partners. Now, Timothy has proven his godly character by serving with Paul. And I imagine the same could be said for Paphroditus, who Paul calls his fellow worker and fellow soldier in verse 25. And so the question is, how about you? Have you proven your Christ-like character to your church, whether it's here or somewhere else? Are you a pew-setter or are you a partner in the gospel, serving with one another for Jesus' sake? So that's our second point uh, that relates to gospel partnership. And here's our third and last Gospel partnership is about serving one another as of serving Jesus' needs. Now, here we see that gospel partnership is not just about working together for Jesus' sake, but it's about working for each other's sake. We want to serve with one another. Yes, that's point two. But we also want to serve one another. We want to meet each other's needs. And sometimes this is profoundly spiritual as we pray and preach and play music so that we might praise the God of heaven and earth. And other times, it's very simple things and physical things like cooking someone a meal or uh, looking after their kids for a while or getting someone some medicine from the pharmacy. Now, we see this serving each other's needs idea in verse 25. Look at it with me. Uh, Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger, and here it is, and minister to my need. You see, Epaphroditus was sent to Paul to simply serve his needs. It seems from what we can tell later in chapter 4, it was physical gifts that Epaphroditus brought Paul so that, to meet his physical needs. Remember, Paul was in prison, and people back in those days didn't get the kind of treatment that people in prison get these days. You needed people from outside of the prison to come in and serve your immediate needs to survive. Now, now helping Paul did and keeping him alive uh, did have a gospel focus. This is what we see in chapter 1 verse 7. Paul said this um, after he thanked God for their partnership in the gospel. He says, you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So helping Paul in prison helped defend the gospel, because if he stayed alive, then he could do this, defend the gospel before the authorities that were um, about to question him, and it also helped confirm it before them instead of shying away from it and, and being scared, shrinking away from it. But serving one another doesn't always have to have this, this kind of grand focus. It can be quite small, as I said. Remember what Jesus taught about um, his return and how Christians would have treated each other? Have a look with me here at Matthew 25 from verse 37. Uh, then the righteous will answer him, that's Jesus, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? 
And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, so you did it to me. You see, we can serve one another with a meal, a welcome, clothing, uh, or a visit. And as we do it, it's as if we're serving Jesus himself. This is the unity that Jesus shares with those who has put their trust in him. You serve their needs, and it's as if you're serving Jesus' needs himself. We see this even in our passage there in verse 20. Have a look at verse 20. Uh, Paul says of Timothy, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And then he compares him with other people who they seek their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. So did you see what Paul's doing there? He says when, when Timothy is genuinely concerned about the Philippians' welfare, it's that, he's, um, it's that he's seeking the interest of Jesus. You see, when we serve Christians' needs, we are serving Christ's needs. It's really that simple. Now, is this how you view the needs of others? Or to put it another way, If Jesus was at our church and had the needs that some people in our church might have, would you treat him the same as you're treating those people? Or would you treat him differently? And what about serving the needs of others? Have you kind of defined needs that you think uh, is valuable enough for Christians to serve and and provide for? Or, Or do you let Jesus define those needs? You know, from something like clothing someone in a t-shirt to trying to clothe someone in righteousness to to having people around your dinner table and also to gather with them around the Lord's table. You see, needs big or small, spiritual or physical, emotional or mental are needs we need to serve as if we're serving Jesus himself. He served all of our needs. And so who are we to pick and choose the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let me finish like this. So here's our three points put together for you on a page. Gospel partnership is about deeply personal relationships through Jesus, serving with one another for Jesus' sake, and serving one another as if we're serving Jesus' own needs. And what's God saying to you this morning about being a gospel partner in your church? And it's important, I think, to know that gospel partnership includes all three of those things, not just one or two. For example, you can have someone be super nice, who gets along with lots of people in church, and you know, maybe even very generous in looking after their physical needs, um, but they never serve with them in the gospel, or, or serve them with the gospel. And it won't be long before people think, man, that guy's really nice, but I don't know if he really loves Jesus. And if he doesn't really love Jesus, does he really love me? Do we actually have the same goal in life, to make much of Jesus? Well, if you're going to start feeling like you don't have that with someone, um, you're not going to be belonging and united as you ought. Or what about this? You can have someone who serves like crazy in the church, right? But they have no deep 
meaningful relationships with people, and they don't really care much about people's needs outside of a Sunday. Um, in fact, they are so task-focused that people are always seen as just helping get the job done and not people to relate to and love and care for. And people can often cop a spray from this person because their identity is in serving. Well, that's not gospel partnership. Oh, here's the last one. What about the person who wants their needs met every single Sunday? And they're very quick to tell people when they're not being met. They might sneak in quickly right as the service is about to start, and they want their needs met. They don't serve in any way. Um, and as soon as the gathering's finished, then off they go. And people know of them. They know, oh, there's that person. I think I know how they look. I think her name is so and so. Now, maybe it's, so we know of them, but we don't know them deeply and personally. Now, that is not gospel partnership either. Gospel partnership is a good balance between these three things. And there might be seasons in your life where one or even two of them are missing, and that's okay. But in general, we want to be doing all three so we might be gospel partners. So we might, like Timothy, prove our Christian character. So we might belong. And it's not just about thinking about ourselves, but let's, let's honor the people in our church who are true gospel partners, those around us. Like Paul called the Philippians to honor Epaphroditus uh, as someone who has sacrificed for the sake of the gospel. I've got people sitting here, right here with me doing that. Uh, we need to honor people like them. So there you go, gospel partnership from Philippians uh, 2 verse 19 to 30. And I hope God has spoken to you and will continue to work in you. I'm going to pray for us. And then our musicians are going to lead us in, in one last song and then we'll be finished for today. And I hope you have a great Sunday and we'll be in touch during the week about what happens next week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word this morning. And thank you especially for Jesus, the ultimate gospel partner, the one who has come and served our needs for our good to the point of death, the one who brings people in with him to, uh, yeah, fulfill his, his eternal plans and purposes, even us weak uh, people who fail and are often fearful and scared. And, and, and Jesus himself came as a human being getting to deeply know people, was deeply hurt by people like Judas, I imagine, and Peter, um, who disowned him, and he was crying with people because of death. He was a deeply, personally relating uh, bloke. And so we thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you that you have set us a great example, and we see that even in Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, and the Philippian church. And Lord, I pray for our church, that we, our church would be filled with gospel partners, um, that no one here would not be like this. And we might not all be perfect in it, and we might not have all three of these things in place, but I pray that you would use this passage, these truths today, and help us to start working on these things. That not just we might say, yes, I've listened to that sermon, but that we might have a deep sense of belonging and joy and be part of a local church in the way that you intend. Please, Lord, answer our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.